All right, Kusala, over to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's my, my pleasure to introduce our guest speaker, the Venerable Kusala Bhikshu. Thank you. God bless. Thank you. Happy to be here today. What a beautiful day it is. And on the way up from LA, I was just wondering why. What's the meaning? How can we be happy? Look at all the stuff we're faced with every day. You know, and so I, I figured out the why. The why is my parents had sex and I had karma and I showed up 67 years ago. <laughs> you know? And then on top of that, what does it all mean? And apparently, it means anything I want it to mean. It's up to me. I get to choose the meaning of my life. And then, but how can I be happy with all this stuff? The why, the meaning, the choices I need to make. How can I choose to be happy? Because, relatively speaking, happiness chooses me. Now, the Buddha had a really unique way of talking about happiness. There's a relative happiness and there's an ultimate happiness. And we heard a wonderful example of relative happiness. And the problem with all that happiness, it keeps changing. It's impermanent. It doesn't last long enough to really satisfy us in the way we'd like it to satisfy us. So what? do we do if we want ultimate happiness, if we want permanent happiness? How do we get there? Well, in, in my understanding of Buddhism, the first thing we can do, and it was part of the affirmation, is to wake up every morning and recite loving kindness, to upload this really important information into our head before the first cup of coffee, before the Today Show, before the freeway. And, and it go, sort of goes like this, may I be happy, peaceful, and free from suffering. That's how I want my day to begin. May no harm come to me. May no difficulties come to me. May no problems come to me. May I always find fulfillment. May I also have patience and courage understanding and determination to meet and overcome all the inevitable difficulties, problems, and failures in life. And they are there. The other day I was on the 110 going to Torrance to give a talk at a Catholic high school. It was the worst time of day to be on the 110. And I said to myself, I'm glad I don't have to live forever. <laughs> because at that moment, it became apparent to me, it never gets any better. <laughs> so I said a little loving kindness to myself. I just wanted to mellow out. I wanted to be here now. You know, I'm just sitting in this vehicle on the 110, 
and we're going about four miles an hour, and that's just the way it is. So how does it feel to be here now? What kind of sensations do I have? I have an eye sensation, I have an ear sensation, a nose sensation, a tongue sensation, a feeling, a body sensation, and a mind sensation, thinking, thinking. So all that stuff's going on. And the Buddha said, that's sort of how we find our happiness, through our sense doors. We just had a wonderful song sung, and my ear vibrated in a very happy way. And when I looked at the ocean coming on the 101 today, my eyes became happy. Hmm? And then I smelled the ocean. We don't have that smell in Koreatown. It's... <laughs> It smelled wonderful. And then I pulled up and got out of the car and I had the sensation of walking. My body seemed to be rather enthusiastic today for some unknown reason. And my mind was filled with good thoughts. I was coming to CSL Ventura to see Bonnie again. So all my sense doors were leading me in the direction of happiness. But they can lead me the other way as well. And sometimes I don't have a choice in the matter, though I would like to. So I start with the loving-kindness meditation, uploading the important information necessary to have my sense doors relate to the world in a happy way. And then there's something called the four Brahma Viharas. This is a little different kind of happiness. This is a little higher form of happiness. We start with the first, the intention, loving kindness. We just don't have love. We have love and kindness. Kindness works with love. Love doesn't work without kindness. So we have this intention and we want this intention to manifest in a physical way. And we call that compassion. Compassion, according to me, is the activity of kindness. It's not a thought. It's not, I'll do it next week. It's actually turning your intention of kindness into an activity. And that will change people's lives as well as your life. But the interesting thing, I think, it's not focused on me any longer. It's focused on everybody else. And because the focus is on others, happiness arises. Paradoxically, now we have altruistic joy. That's the third one. This is a really hard one for me. It's finding happiness in others' happiness. It's finding success in the success of others. Because sometimes I get a little selfish and I want it to be my success. I want it to be my happiness. Why do they get it all and I don't get anything? Well, again, the paradox is if you find your happiness and success in the happiness and success in others, you have seven billion ways to be happy. So that's a good trade-off, isn't it? That's nice. And then we come to this place, oh, this also special place called equanimity, 
perfect balance of mind. This is where you don't have to pick sides. You'll never be Republican or Democrat, not even independent. You're, ju you're just going to sit in the middle, have no preferences, and have no opinions, which doesn't work on Facebook. <laughs> so these four Brahma Viharas, the intention of loving kindness, the activity of compassion, altruistic joy, finding your happiness in the happiness of others. And last but not least, the perfect balanced mind. This is a little higher form of happiness than going to Disneyland. <laughs> this will make your life better in oh so many ways. But it's still impermanent. It's still always changing, always in a state of becoming something else. And the Buddha said, you'll not be satisfied with this either, though it is higher. But I teach the highest form of happiness, one that doesn't go away. It starts out, we're going to meditate. Go figure. <laughs> we're going to sit quietly on the ground, legs crossed, and enjoy the suffering of life. The knee starts to hurt, the ankle starts to hurt, the back starts to hurt. The mind is agitated, this will never work, why am I sitting here? What's wrong with all these people with me sitting here? Though that is a nice yoga suit she has on. And... So we, we focus, we have our object of meditation. Let's say it's the sensation of breath. And we focus on that. And there's four levels. Whoa, four levels. The first level has five characteristics. Applied thought, sustained thought, happiness, bliss, and equanimity. If we continue to focus laser-like on our breath, we go into the second jhana, which only has three characteristics. Happiness, bliss, and equanimity. Now the mind simply rests on the object of meditation. Okay. Bliss. Bliss is really cool. It is physical pleasure. It just sends the shivers up your spine and the goosebumps happen on your arm. And you just go, whoa, look at all of this happening. Just because I'm sitting here watching my breath. They can't arrest me. They can't bust me. It's free. All it costs is time. Just sitting here. So you really like this pleasure, but you find out that physical pleasure has a downside. It's called pain. It's dualistic. It doesn't stand alone. It doesn't stand by itself. So as much as you like the pleasure, you really have a lot of aversion towards the pain and you say to yourself, maybe I can go deeper in my object of meditation and go into the third jhana. Now the third jhana has only two characteristics. It has happiness and it has equanimity. You finally made it to happiness. And it is a powerful, yet more subtle sensation than physical pleasure. But there's a downside to happiness. It's called sadness. 
And sooner or later, it will appear. Because happiness is always going to be temporary until you find the ultimate happiness. So you think about this happiness and you wonder what it would be like not to be happy and not to be sad. You know, humans like one or the other. We like that roller coaster ride. We like to go from unhappiness right into happiness and just have a great time until it goes down to sadness again. And you just go, okay, what would it be like just to sit here with the perfect balance of mind? Which is the fourth jhana, which only has one characteristic, which is perfect balance of mind. Now, the amazing thing about having a perfect, balanced mind is that you don't suffer. You can't suffer. What is suffering? Let me define it for you in the most simple way. Suffering is when you want things to be different than they are. <laughs> you know, and every day we find ourselves at that crossroad. Is this perfect or could it be better? And we all know it could be better. We have gone to school, we have careers, a lot of people have partners and families, and you've seen the good and you've seen the bad, but you haven't seen the perfect, and you know it's possible if only. But that if only drives you nuts because it never materializes. The if only never shows its true colors. It's always hiding just ahead, just out of reach. If only my arms were a little longer and they never get longer. Okay, so we're here and now we have this balance and now we're not suffering because things are just the way they're supposed to be. Can you imagine looking at your life as being just the way it's supposed to be? You have enough. Can't have any more. It's just the way it's supposed to be. Can't have any less because it's just the way it's supposed to be. You're not in relationship. Just the way it's supposed to be. You're in relationship. Just the way it's supposed to be. Old car, new car, a lot of money, no money. How the heck can we come to a place of acceptance with it's just the way it's supposed to be? But how about if you look at the world? And the world, as you know, if you're closer to my age than not, has never been a good place to live. You know, I'm old enough to remember the Cuban Missile Crisis. And I remember listening to the radio. We did have TVs back then, but I was listening to the radio. And you know what I noticed about the Cuban Missile Crisis? It was the first time I had seen adults afraid. They knew something I didn't know. They knew the end of the world as we know it was just a couple days away. Thankfully, JFK and his guys were able to figure it out. 
And because of a little courage and a little faith, we didn't have World War III. Whoa. So was that the end of the, all the crisis in the world? Oh, man, no. It's just next one, next one, next one. Everybody's trying to figure this out and that out, blah, blah, blah. Humans, darn humans. They just can't figure out this is how it's supposed to be. They got to change their country. They got to change the world. They got to change everything except themselves. And Buddhism says, you'll never change the world in a satisfactory way because I call this world samsara, he said. This is the place where birth and death occur. And because that's the case, it'll never be perfect. We have creation, we have destruction. We don't have longevity as a human. We don't live very long. It's hard to change ourselves, let alone the world, in the time we have. So rather than looking out, we can look in and we can see the problem of being a human. And he defined it in a very simple way, the Buddha. He said, our problem as a human is we have greed, we have hatred, we have delusion. And they define our world for us. Those are our filters. We are born with that. Original ignorance. We don't have original sin. We're just really stupid. <laughs> so he said, there is a way to transform your greed into generosity. It manifested right here. Look at this. This isn't greed. Hatred can be manifested into love and kindness. And delusion can be transformed by wisdom. We can actually start to see the world the way it really is. And I would suggest years of meditation before that happens. Because <laughs> you may not like what you see. And you may not know how to integrate it in your happy life. So here we are in that fourth level of jhana, J-H-A-N-A, and we have equanimity, and we have looked inside now for days and weeks and months in our meditation program, looking for something. We have given up looking outside for happiness because it's only temporary. But there's a place inside where it is forever. It is our refuge. It is not dependent on Disneyland. It is dependent on looking inside and finding it. Now people say, well, I'm always so happy when I'm here or with that person or in this situation. But those are just the triggers to our happiness. They don't give us any happiness at all. They tell us where our happiness truly resides, and that's inside. And so here we are in the fourth jhana. We have closed all our sense doors. We can no longer see or hear or smell or taste or touch or even think. Everything has come to a stop. And we are now experiencing the amazing event of who we are, which is a 
whole conglomeration of stuff always changing. Nothing is identifiable. No, nothing exists independently. Nothing has a name we can attach to it. But we have a feeling, and that feeling about us comes from one place. It doesn't come from the mind or the intellect. It comes from the heart. It's the heart. We found the heart. That's where this stuff really exists. That's where happiness and loving kindness and compassion reside all the time. And we carry it through our life, rarely pushing the button or pulling the trigger on that stuff. So now we come out of this fourth jhana and we go, whoa, that was an amazing experience. I wish it would have lasted longer, but I got to go home. I got to get off the cushion. I got to go outside, get in the car, figure out how to get back to where the temporary happiness resides. But I want the real stuff. I want it to last forever. So the Buddha said, okay, you need to see three things clearly in order for that to happen. The first thing you need to see is impermanence. You got to stop attaching yourself to things that make you feel good. And you got to stop having aversion for things that make you feel uncomfortable. This attachment and aversion drives you. Let it go. Get into the flow of life. Don't try to reach out for a branch. It's going to break off. It's not going to be satisfactory. Can you go for the ride? Can you just chop wood and carry water? Can you just stay there going along with the flow? Second thing, unsatisfactoriness, suffering. The affirmation I would have said today is life sucks. <laughs> so we're not supposed to be surprised when it's not going our way. We're supposed to go, sure, of course, how else could it be? <laughs> Everything ultimately becomes unsatisfactory because it's temporary. It's temporary. And last but not least, who the heck are we? Who am I? I have looked carefully through mind and body, trying to find an identifiable substance that could be the true me, the real me. How does that look? 67 years later, I don't have a clue. <laughs> and I've come to the conclusion there is no real me. I'm always in a constant state of becoming something else. My whole life, I was 10, I became 12. I was 20, I became 30. I never stopped becoming. I'm wondering now, at what age does happy birthday just become birthday? <laughs> so can I stop becoming? Can I not suffer? Can I feel comfortable in the mystery of who I am? And the answer is yes, I can. And we have a word for that in Buddhism. It's an amazing word. It's called nirvana. 
Nirvana is ultimate happiness because you never have to suffer again. Not only that, you end your karma. You'll never become anything ever again. Now that may not be a big seller. <laughs> it's a hard concept to grasp. But every time I became somebody, I suffered. Every time I became somebody. In the infinite lives I have lived, I have buried parents and brothers and sisters and numerous pets, and it never changes. I have shed so many tears, it would fill the oceans because of the suffering and the dissatisfaction I have felt in each lifetime. And that, my friends, is the trigger to happiness. When you get tired of suffering, when you get tired of being sad and in pain, and you say, no, I want more than this. I know it can happen, because 2,600 years ago, a man, Siddhartha Gautama, ended his suffering forever. He woke up, we call him the Buddha. He left his teachings. I can read, I have an iPad. I know that his teachings are now available to me on the internet, in the bookstores, in every zendo, even this church, the Dharma is here. The truth of existence resides in this room. Not everybody can see it or hear it, but if you come here long enough, you will. You will. So I'm working really hard never to be reborn again. I'm working really hard to end my karma because it's my karma that keeps getting reborn. It's not my soul, it's not my personality, it's nothing other than karma according to Buddhism that keeps getting reborn. How do I end my karma? It's called nirvana. Now we just celebrated Easter a week ago or so and everybody got excited because he was reborn. For a Buddhist, what excites us, the Buddha disappeared. <laughs> he lived, he died, and he didn't show up ever again. <laughs> so, To end, I would like to say, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, get nirvana. <laughs> You'll never be unhappy again. Thank you for listening. <laughs>